One of the things we talked about towards the back end of last year was about being deep and wide. In other words, not shying away from deep stuff, but do it in a way that's understandable to people. <coughs> now, I, I want you to understand this morning is actually quite deep. So I want you to brace yourselves that I'm going to try and do it or explain it in a way that is helpful to everybody. Does that make sense? And it might not immediately sound deep, but actually what I'm going to talk about is how we can access the anointing of God through what he has already done and through the power of testimony. So I'm actually going to talk about the power of testimony this morning, and I'm going to, to help us do that, I'm actually going to look at an Old Testament passage. And it's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, I'll read it through, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, so it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'm going to start at the first verse. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. I'm reading from a slightly different version, so it might not be the same word as up there that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your children and your grandchildren might fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Remember, what she just commanded them? Love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your heart, all your mind, all your might. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you will bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. That, that's here, okay? And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, that's wells, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you shall eat and be satisfied." Then watch yourself, lest you forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. We've just gone on to verse 17. You should diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. Okay. Now, basically what's happening here is... Moses is about to release Israel to go into the promised land. He's not going to go into the promised land with them. He, he dies before they go in. And what he is doing is uh, he's giving them instructions. 
Now, the word, this is from a book called Deuteronomy, which is an Old Testament book. And Deuteronomy basically means repetition of, the, of what I've already said, repetition of the law, or a second telling. So Moses and God has already communicated this stuff, but Moses wants to make clear to the people who are going to possess the land, who are going to take what God has promised them, who is going to receive the promises, how that works. And in doing so, what he is doing, he is trying to explain principles to a new generation. A new generation who are going to possess and receive the promises that God has given. And so for us, we are a generation who we believe are here to receive promises of God and to make an impact beyond the walls of faith life, beyond the, 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 the regularity of our, our lives, but to see God do something that is much bigger than, than we have so far seen. So these are important for us because we are that new generation. In a, I know some of us aren't as new as we might be, uh, but we're still that new generation who are about to possess the land. And I believe we are called to impact this city and impact this region. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what we're called to see. So these are important things for us to understand how the power of God is released to cause that possession of the land, to cause the promises to be received. And so what Moses is doing is he's re-emphasizing God's ways for new conditions that haven't been faced before. You see, there are kingdom ways and there are ways of the Holy Spirit. And they are the same. But the conditions that we live in are not the conditions of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 and odd years ago, when we, we have seen God move in this land before. We face a different situation, different conditions, but we still need to understand the principles are the same. But the, the key is to know God's ways. And that's why Moses is telling them this. Now, if, you, if, you're, if you're Jewish, and, and you were wondering what all that bit about on your hand and on your head were, and all that sort of stuff, the Jews, to the Jews, this is the most important text in the Bible. And to Christians, this is the most important text in the Bible. How do we know that? Because when Jesus was asked what is the most important thing, he said, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. So we know that and we've talked about that for a few weeks. But the number one agenda of the Holy Spirit is that that first commandment would be in first place in his church. So the number one thing he's trying to do is to raise us up to love God. And whatever we think we might see or whatever promises we think are over our life or whatever we, we desire to see from God, the number one priority is for us to love God. Yeah. And that's, what, that's, that's, that's where we're at the starting point of our prayers. You know, I've talked about it in a slightly different term. We live for an audience of one. We're not trying to impress anybody. I'm not trying to impress anybody except an audience of one. And he's called Jesus. He's the audience. You just get to listen in, guys. 
I'm just trying to convey what he gives me. Now, the, the Jews call this the Shema. The Shema. And um, they, they, Moses is trying to get them to value that these are the principles that will change your life. These are the principles that will allow you to possess the promised land. And when you, who's heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls and all that sort of thing? So basically, uh, a few decades ago, they found all these scrolls and things and, and original scriptures in a cave near Qumran, near the Dead Sea. And uh, what they found there was lots and lots of things called phylacteries. And phylacteries are little boxes, and you either have them on your wrist, on your hand, or you wore them on your forehead. And they contained the scripture that we're looking at this morning. That's what went in there, because that was the most important thing. So can you see how, how key this is to God's people? Now, what we need to understand, because we can lose this, because of the way, if we've been around and brought up in church, or heard of church, or experienced church from a distance sometimes, we can actually misunderstand what is going on here because somehow we have managed to take something that is God expressing his heart and principles for taking the promised land and receiving all that he was about to give them and we translate that because of the words used into law. Okay? And we're going like, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this to get it all. Now, we are the other side of the cross when he's talking this, but the principles are the same for every generation. So we need to understand what he's saying rather than what we just read through our lens that has been trained by religious and judge, judgmental people. So we have a problem the minute we come to this passage because it says, you've got to keep my commandments. Yeah? Now, we have... an. an you'll see this later in the passage, that we can get in a mess just by reading that word. Now, that word commandments, we've got to understand, basically, church history since Jesus splits into two periods of about a 1,000 years each. And around a 1,000 years AD, the whole way the church viewed the world changed. So for the first thousand years, the church was on the rise. It, 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 it had sort of covered the known civilized world with Christianity. And it adopted a view during that time that we were at war with the kingdom of the enemy and we were going to win. We were going to possess. From a thousand years to now, that view changed because... Man got a hold of things and came up with things like theology and all the rest of it. And that view changed to God's in control of everything. We're just pawns in his hand. And he does everything, the good and the bad. Now, the problem with that is that that doesn't acknowledge that there is an enemy. And there is an enemy. And we are at war with the kingdom of darkness. We are at war with the plans of the enemy. We, we are subject to the wiles of the enemy and we need to understand them so we don't get caught out. 
Now, when the Bible uses that word commands, the word commandment is a solemn charge or the order of the commander of an army. Now, anybody here been in the army? Right, so what, what's the one thing you always have to do? Listen and obey. Why is that? You mess things up. And what happens if you mess things up? It goes down the pan, you end up dead, and the enemy wins, yeah? So when we read commandments, remember that, the, that, that this is pre-cross, pre, pre the power of the Holy Spirit being with all of us. When we read commandments, they are commands of the commander of an army, because we are at war. And so these are things that if we don't obey them, cost us our lives because the enemy kills, steals, and destroys. Does this start to help you seeing this word commands? So God's saying, if you do it this way, we win, guys. We win. So I'm the commander of the army. I'm Jesus on my white horse. I'm the commander of the army. Do what I say because it, your life depends on it. Are you getting the picture of what commandments are? Right. Okay. So then we have this other word, statutes. Statue. Have you ever seen that? Because it all gets lumped into one, and we call it law, and we get all bothered about it. Heard of statutes? Probably heard of statutes in the UK. Now, statutes in, in, in this passage are different from commands, because they're mentioned separately in verse 1, verse 2, and verse 17. It says commandments and statutes. Statutes are the, um, how can I put it? The principles and values that underlie the commands. They are the way, uh, they're higher than the rules. They're higher than the commandments. So to, in, in order to obey and follow, we need to understand the heart behind why we're obeying and following. We need to understand who we're obeying and following. And so these statutes govern the way we are meant to interpret the commands. You get this? This is really simple stuff, but it's also really deep stuff. And, and you'll see how, in a minute how it released, re relates to the release of the anointing when we, when we understand these things. Now, statutes, you can see... Now, how many of you think Jesus always kept the law? How, how many of you think that he was sinless? Okay, okay, if you don't think he was sinless, you're having serious trouble because that's the only reason you're saved. <laughs> Because he died in your place. Now, Jesus was sinless, but Jesus didn't always keep the rules. Because Jesus understood this principle, and so did the people he was talking to. Let me give you an example. They come along, they challenge Jesus. His disciples are picking corn on the Sabbath. They tell him off because he's doing stuff on the Sabbath. And he says, guys, technical breach. But the statute is, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You've got it the wrong way around. You've got the rule ahead of God's heart. That, that is a wow. Yeah, that is a wow. So think of another one. Jesus heals somebody. They criticize him for healing on the Sabbath. What does he say? He says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? And they can't answer him. Why? Because he's come up, he's quoted the statute that overrides the rule. God's heart 
is to heal and love man and set man free. But the law says, if you do anything on the Sabbath, because the Sabbath is there to protect us and give us rest so we don't burn out. Thank you, Kapampa. Are you getting this? Doesn't God seem a bit different now? As now he's a commander of an army and, and, and that's his heart? Do you, do you get this? So it's about understanding his heart. You see, you can understand that sort of God and love him with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your body. Yeah? Now, the reason God's saying these things in Deuteronomy is, and, and the reason we, we are looking at it this morning is he wants us to understand the principles that govern the world. And the reason he wants us to understand the principles that govern the world is he wants us to be mature and think like him. Because when we mature and think like him, we will see the things he could do. And we will do the things he did. So we're trying to be mature and think like him. And the basic simple principle is this. That God wants the kingdom to manifest through us. God wants the kingdom to manifest through you. And in order for the kingdom to manifest, we need to know kingdom ways. We need to know the way the kingdom works. We need to know the way the Holy Spirit works. We need to know how to engage with that flow of God's power, how to engage with that flow of his anointing, and how to receive the things that he freely gives us. Are you, start, are you understanding this? Yeah. Right. Okay. Because I'm, I'm trying to make it as simple as I can. The outcome, if we get this, will be we possess the land. Remember, these are enduring principles. They worked for Israel going into the promised land. They will work for us here and now. You know, a lot of, a lot of us have this fatalistic... And we're going to have to shift this, and it's going to be part of that series I told you about last week that I'm going to do over the summer and into, into the autumn called Shift. And we have to shift this view that the church is losing. So Somehow the church has adopted this fatalistic view that it all gets worse and it all gets terrible until Jesus comes. The problem with that is Jesus told us about a kingdom that is always increasing and the government shoulders is always on the increase and the kingdom is always on the increase. And actually we win. Right at this moment in the UK, the, the kingdom might not be winning, but it is about to win. The tide has turned. You, you know, when the tide turns, you don't always feel it. You don't always see it at first. But the tide has turned and the kingdom is on the rise because the manifestation of the kingdom is for those who will receive the Spirit and flow with the Spirit by hearing the Spirit's voice and then do what it hears. And that, that, that is our call to see that manifestation of the kingdom. Now, what does it mean for the kingdom to manifest? Well, we can see from this passage that there's certain criteria that he talks about what's going to happen or what happens if you, if you follow the commander of the army. And this is what he says. He says, that basically, you're going to have long life. Everything is going to be well with you. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy because you're in a war. 
But God is saying, in the midst of that, I'm going to bring you through safely. It won't be that you don't have the challenges. You know, we can't reduce the gospel to God's here to make my life lovely. Because we're in a war. We're in a war zone. Cambridge is a war zone. It's a war zone in the spiritual atmosphere. It's a war zone because the enemy is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy from our lives. Ely is a war zone. Haverhill is a war zone. This whole region is a war zone. Because the enemy is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. But the kingdom is on the rise and we win. Do you, do you understand this? So as we, as, we, as we face that war, he said, I'm going to protect you. But you need to follow the commands or you end up dead. You need to hear my voice. I am protecting and I am with those who love me with all my heart and are there for an audience of one. And with that, for, for those, it'll be well. They'll stay safe. They will multiply greatly. That's, that's what we should be expecting. We should be expecting faith life to multiply greatly. Now, we have been growing quickly for us, but we should now be expecting multiply greatly. I, I, I'm already working on... The, like God's working on me, like how do we get past the constraints of this room when it's full in September? It's okay now, but look at the size of the room. Think about how many people aren't here this morning because they're on holiday. And that'll be there till September. But come the second week in September, we have a series capacity issue. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that good? I mean, like, just capacity. If we have the chairs to hear, how, how are we going to pray for anybody? You know, we've got things to sort out. And, and God says, lift your eyes, lift, lift what you see, because the kingdom is winning. The tide has turned. And so, this, this is the key thing I want you to see. And why I know that what I'm saying about this passage is right. When you get into verse 10 and 11, he starts to say, and this is the result, you get great and splendid cities that you didn't build. You get houses full of good things which you never bought. You get wells which you didn't dig. You get vineyards and olive trees which you didn't plant. And you eat and be satisfied with stuff that you never bought. It's a gift. It's grace. You didn't earn this. But to, um, to receive it, you've got to know that God's giving you it. And he gives it to those who are sold out for him. And he gives it more and more to those who are sold out to him. So we then encounter a third word. Does that help you work out what's going on here? Because this is the important bit I wanted to get to this morning. Because we get into, he's, you see, God did everything by the power of the Holy Spirit, even in the Old Testament. Remember he said, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That was an Old Testament principle. 
He does everything by the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives you things that you didn't work for, you didn't earn. He's going to give us this city and this region. He's going to give us Edie. He's going to give us Haverhill. He's going to give us St. Neots. He's going to give us Camborne. He's going to give us these places. And we didn't build them. We didn't earn them. We're riding on the back of generations of people who trusted God. Who have already affected the atmosphere of this city and this region. And so... Sorry, I've gone all prophetic on you, haven't I? But there you go. So, testimony, the third word. First, he talks about commands. We're getting excited now. I'm glad we're getting excited. I think the Holy Spirit's starting to get excited. That's good. He talks about testimonies. So, we've got commandments, we've got statutes, we've got testimonies. Testimonies are witness statements. We've had a witness statement to how God changes a life this morning. We, we, we've had... Uh, witness statements the last few weeks of how God heals incredibly. You know, I can't, honestly, I've tried. Well, I haven't tried, but I've thought about how I would go about it, but I really cannot work out how I could get a severed finger to fuse and be completely restored and no scars. That's what God does. That's what he does. So they're witness statements, testimonies to what God has done. They're... uh, how, how could it, they're, they're a record, they're a permanent fact. That's what a testimony is. And what this passage says is that those testimonies and, and that expression of God's, that desire of God that we love him should be the major topic of conversation that we have with our kids. It's, it's a family thing. It, it's a responsibility that we have as individuals and families, to talk about the great things that God is doing in our midst and in our lives. And to, to repeat those, to keep repeating those. Um, They're the, the main topic of conversation. And the other thing he, he tells us to do is we have to surround ourselves with visible reminders of, of what's there. Okay? Uh, he uses these words, I think, in uh, verse 17. Can you put verse 17 back up? just so we can see it. You shall diligently keep. Okay, diligently keep. I don't think we even think about keeping these testimonies. I, I think what we do is we get, we hear a testimony, and we go, that's, that's great. We, we clap, we pray for the person, and we move on. And there's, there's a secret there that we aren't unlocking, and as a result of that, we aren't releasing the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our body and in our lives. Because God is saying, you've got to diligently keep these testimonies. Diligently keep means preserve and watch over. So, testimonies are a really important part of us as a body flowing in the Spirit. And I'm going to show you why that is. So what do you do? We've got to keep our eyes on what God's done and keep it from being forgotten. Now, this, you know, there's these things, I call them God incidences. So I'm preparing for this and I'm, and I'm looking on my computer because I think, well, I've talked about something like this once. And I'm looking on my computer to try and find it. And what comes up, and, and I, don't, I don't want to shock you, but, I, I, well, I thought it was quite exciting, it was, was Sarah Green's face. Because a few years back, we used to do something called the Faith Life magazine. 
And Sarah was our, our star editor and compiler and all the rest of it. And in there, each month, we used to do a test. Well, not each month. We used to do it quarterly. And in there, we used to have like a story of how somebody had come to the Lord. And we used to have a story of a healing. And so I'm looking at these, and I'm thinking, man, I can't. Now, now that you remind me, that was incredible when that happened, wasn't it? That was incredible when that happened. I, I think I sent one out on Facebook. There's uh, a girl who had this thing called Duane syndrome, which meant that um, she, her eyes didn't work properly uh, because the muscles and the ligaments weren't attached right. So she effectively had tunnel vision and she was cross-eyed, which is quite upsetting for a young girl. And she came forward, this is, this is a long time ago, which is why we should remember it. She came forward, she was prayed for, nothing happened. She was prayed for again, nothing happened. The third time she was prayed for, her eyes straightened completely. And she was then able to have a normal sight, a normal life. Uh, she's, a, she's grown up to be a beautiful young woman. And the truth is, that her case, this Duane syndrome, was actually the case that they use to teach what it looks like and what it is to medical students. And they still do, even though she's healed of it. <laughs> so that's cool, isn't it? But we should remind ourselves of these things, because that's what God's saying, because that reminds us that God does these sort of things in our midst. And, and it allows us to, to receive new things from him. Now, so what do you do with, um, yeah, one of the other testimonies there, Anna's mum, who came along to a service several years ago, uh, her spine grew. She, she got, she sort of uncurled and her spine grew. And all that, that curling and that twisting that was in her body went in the middle of prayer in one of our services. Isn't that incredible? Did any of you know that? Some of you did know that. You forgot. You see, we don't remember. And it's the remembering that leads us to not just stop there, to, but to build upon and go further. We want to build upon and go further, not keep falling back. So what do you do when you've got a testimony? Well, the first thing you do with a testimony is... Have you got any water? That's not what you do with it. Uh, you declare it. You declare it. Now, there is something, and, and this is just how God said things work, that links, the there's a connection between the declaration of something and the accessing of the power to see it again. I don't know why God chose that, but he chose that right at the beginning. He spoke creation into being. He declared creation. So there's something that God has built into the way the kingdom works that links declaration with the release of power. Now, I, you go, well, how does that work? Now, this is where we get the... the, the if you haven't already thought I've gone deep, this is where we go deeper. So I'm going to try and be really simple. How does that work? Well, Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. That's John 6, 63. My words are spirit and they are life. You, I think we've got it. Now, what's, what's he saying there? Because you could just skim over that. We skim over that verse. This is what he's saying. 
When Jesus, what Jesus is saying, when I speak, I release spirit. And that release of the spirit changes the atmosphere. It causes things to happen. He didn't say my words are spirit that gives life. He said they are spirit and their life. He releases life, but he also releases spirit that changes the atmosphere. Remember, we're at war. We're at war, so the spirit that changes the atmosphere that we release has an effect on the atmosphere to help us win the war and for the kingdom to grow and take dominion. Are you with me? And so, how, how does that work? Well, it works like this. There are two realities. There's a reality called the kingdom of God, and there's a reality which is where we live that is not a reflection of the kingdom of God entirely, in the natural. The kingdom of God is a spirit realm, initially. And the reason it's a spirit realm is God is spirit, but it's also a spirit realm because it's superior to the reality we live in. There is, a, there is a, 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 something that is really hard to get our head around, but there is a a, a, a more true, a stronger, a bigger reality than where we live and what we see. And that's called the kingdom of God. And when we declare it, we release the kingdom of God. We release that superior reality, which is spirit. And in releasing it, we transform this reality. Now, I believe that the reason we don't see more is that we don't understand this principle. And because we, can't, we don't see that transformation it, with our eyes immediately, we think nothing has happened. And therefore, we don't do these things. But the tide has turned. When we release that superior reality of the kingdom, the tide has turned. And Jesus is saying, you need to, you need to wake up, guys, because when you're doing this, even though you don't see it, something is happening. And, and you've got to follow through on that something that's happening so that you can possess the land. Yeah. Are, you, are you with me? Yeah. All right. Are, are you all actually still with me? Because it is quite, whoa, yeah? But it is also quite, yes, yeah. exciting. Because, because things change because the kingdom wins. But if we won't win unless we understand these principles because we won't follow through. Because we won't understand that when that's happened, the, the superior reality has been released and we're just keeping going, walking in that till the full manifestation of the kingdom comes in this city, in this region, in our lives. Okay, so how, how, how do we get this? Well, I could go to some... Verses like Mark eleven twenty three, you know, say to the mountain and all. I'm not going to go there because we've all, there's so many times we've preached on there, so much things that people have heard and thought about those passages. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to do something that takes you somewhere really basic first. I'm going to take you to the Lord's Prayer. So let's have a look at Matthew 6, verse 10. Jesus tells the disciples to pray. And this is one of the things he tells them to pray. Now, what did, how, did, how did they pray? How did Jewish people pray? Out loud. They stand next to walls and shout at walls and they pray out loud because they know that principle that declaration releases the power to change the atmosphere. 
So Jesus is saying to the disciples, come to him, he said, what are we supposed to pray about, Jesus? And he says, this is one of the things you're to pray about. You are to declare to the atmosphere, to this city, to this town, to wherever you go, the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come because I am here carrying the kingdom. And as it is in heaven, it's going to be on earth now because I'm here. The kingdom has come. And it's a declaration. It's a declaration. Now, we see this picked up much later. Do you get that? This is not a boring prayer anymore that you said at Sunday school and primary school, is it? It's amazing what, what, like, how much depth we lose. Now, let's go on to uh, Revelation um, 19.10. Let's take you right to the end of the book, Neely. They're all worshipping Jesus, and an angel turns up, and he says, I'm not Jesus, don't worship me, worship Jesus. And then he's got this really, so this is John, I fell at his feet to worship him, that's the angel, but he said to me, see that you don't do that. Just, guys, don't get into all that angel stuff. Jesus, audience of one, I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren, who, has, who carries the testimony of Jesus. What's the testimony of Jesus? The record, the witness statement, the permanent facts about Jesus. I, I'm just coming to tell you the things that Jesus has done. You don't worship the things that Jesus has done. We worship Jesus. And then it makes this incredible statement that we probably, many of us have heard and haven't a clue what it means. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay, answers on a postcard, please. Why don't we understand what it means? Because we never understood what he said in Deuteronomy 6, in the first place. That the testimony of what Jesus has done allows the anointing that brought about that testimony to be repeated. So, Jesus has done something in the past and it creates access to anointing that brought about that thing he did in the past and speaks to the now. Yeah. It prophesies to the now. It declares to the now. So when, when we have testimonies, what we're doing is we're hearing what Jesus has done in the past, but we should be expecting an anointing to be released to the now. So, so what do we expect? What do we expect from this morning? We expect that right in this room, that God is speaking into lives about that you don't go for your plans. You follow the Holy Spirit, that, that he's with you, that he cares for you, that, that you can't carry this weight on your own, that, that you should be free of fear. You should be fear, free of peer pressure. You, you don't have to be a slave to fear. Do you, do you understand? That's what's getting released this morning because that's what's been testimony. So, you know, you don't have to wait to be prayed for at the end, either. You can start receiving that now. You are being set free of fear. You are set, being set free of that pressure that comes from trying to do it and please others and please God through your efforts. No fear. Break that hold. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing right now because that's what he's releasing. So you just receive it. You can receive it right now in your chair. Yeah. And you go, oh, 
haven't heard that before. Just receive it. Forget. Just like, don't worry about it. You haven't heard that before or whatever. Just receive what the Holy Spirit is doing. Because the second thing that you do with a testimony is you've got to allow it to change you. There's two things you can do when you hear something that God has done. You can allow the revelation to transform the way you think. That's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do is you can ignore it or resist it and harden your heart. There, aren't, there isn't anything in between. You can allow it to change you in the way you think or you can resist it, ignore it and harden your heart. Go, ah, oh, yeah, I've heard all that stuff before. You know, I think one of the, the big issues that we have as believers and as a body is somehow in the last five to ten years, we've made this tris- transition from getting excited about miracles that God's doing in his church to, I don't believe that, they're just putting that out for hype. And we made that transition somewhere because we allowed the, the things to harden our hearts instead of allowing them to transform our thinking. And, and, and the access to the greater things is through a soft heart and humility. So, Deuteronomy. So, going back to that passage in Deuteronomy, what it's teaching is, is if we desire to step forward into relationship, we have to do something proactive about it. And the thing we have to do proactive about it is be willing to follow what God asks us to do. Follow the commander of the army. And being proactive when we, we, we don't sit back and applaud a testimony. However amazing it is, whether it's a fused finger, a life changed, or anything, we don't sit back and applaud a testimony. Yes, we do do that because we want to give God praise, but it doesn't stop there. We, 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 we need to allow that testimony and what God has done to transform our thinking and behaviour. If you go back to uh, verse 17, you diligently keep commands of the Lord, his testimonies and statutes which he's commanded you. I want you to look at that word keep. That word keep gives a clue to what I'm talking about. Because basically when, when we don't allow the testimony to transform our thinking and behaviour, we are not keeping the testimony. When we don't allow the testimony to transform our thinking and behaviour, we are not keeping it, we are dismissing it. We are not getting the full fruit of what is contained in there and releasing it, because we're not keeping hold of it. That's how you diligently keep a testimony. You allow it to change you. I told you it was deep. I told you it was like deep this morning, didn't I? You see... Testimonies are supposed to train us to see reality differently. And that training takes practice. I, um, Neil and I went to a, a conference a few weeks back. Uh, I, I thought it was a fantastic conference. A guy called Ed Silvers, and Neil's nodding, so he agrees with me. Um, and one of the things he showed, and this just... It's been like, I've been trying to keep it and, it and allow it to transform my thinking. And he showed this little tiny video. 
He showed a lot of videos, but he showed this little tiny one. And it was basically a principle, so the domino principle. And, and, and they, it's a video, and basically they have a little tiny domino here. And apparently each domino, a domino, has enough in it to knock over a domino a third the size of it again. And they showed this video, and I'll, I'll try and get hold of it, I've, I haven't managed it, but of a little tiny domino. And, and the way that principle works, remember each one knocks over a third the size again. By the time you're here, you're knocking over dominoes bigger than this room. But it's that first domino. And I'm, so I'm struggling with this question that we've had for 10 years, which is how do we break out and see this region impacted? And I'm going, that's it. We hit the first domino. How do you see your workplace change? Hit the first domino. That little thing that God does that's miraculous in where you are can start a chain of events that changes everything. Now, this guy then blows us away. This guy called, what was he? Was it Brian? Was it Burton that he was called? Brian Burton, who's, who works for Ed Silvoz or works with him in Fouquet. And Fouquet, it was an entirely Muslim island and got hit by the tsunami. And he was sharing about the transformation of this island. And, and it's just an illustration of how we keep the testimony. We allow it to transform our thinking. Because I'm still thinking about this. And I'm still thinking about the first two minutes of his video. And there's lots more on this. But basically what happened was that this came. And they, were, they found this group of people, maybe about 20 or 30 people, who were just like starving to death. Because they were fishermen and their boats had been shattered by the tsunami because they used wooden boats. And, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm okay. And, and these people, what did they call Morgans or something, Morgans, because they were an underclass. They, weren't, they didn't have citizenship or something like that, did they? And so he got, they, he, he, they start feeding them and helping them, and they, they get saved, this, this group of 30 or so people. Now you go, well, that's exciting, isn't it? And so they go, well, but what do, what do we do? And he said, well, I'll, I'll go and see if I can get you some wood. So he, he scours and he, he tries everything to get some wood. But unfortunately, what's happened is that the government has diverted all the wood supplies to the official fishing fleet, who'd also got their boats wiped out, who, weren't, who were proper citizens and not members of this underclass. So he, 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 he tries to buy the wood and he scours all over the place. And he can't buy the wood. So he goes back and he says, right, I, I, I'm sorry, guys, I, I've, I've really let you down. Now, what do they say to him? Because they've, they've just got saved. They go, but you told me that if I believed in God, he would provide what I needed. So he's going to provide what we need. So, let's, so they say to him, let's pray for what we need. Now, if I hadn't seen the pictures of this, I would have been like, nah. So they pray. And that night, the sky rained wood. Okay? I've gone like, I have never seen a miracle on that scale. I suppose it's like Dead Sea parting, that sort of, the sky rained wood. And, and so 
you've got these pictures of wood all over the place, wasn't there? Just wood all over the ground. I'm going like, God, that, this, and I have the conversation with John Arnott later because we're just absolutely blown away with this. And John's going, I've never seen anything on this sort of scale. This is different. You know, like, this is because it doesn't just rain wood. You see, you can't just build a wooden boat because you have to shape the wood in the heat and the water and the sunshine for six months to get it in the right shape to build a wooden boat. The wood came ready shaped in seven kits to build seven boats. And so they built their boats, and they had a five-month head start on the official fishing fleet who were still waiting for their wood to <laughs> shape so they could go fishing. Is it any wonder that that island has been transforming by Christianity? You know, and it, it's a domino. It's a domino. We fed 30 people. It's a domino. What do they end up doing? They end up building a school, a big school, and the governor ends up sending the army to help them dig the stuff to build the school, and a company comes in and provides all the stuff to build the school, and they build a school for Muslims. And they bless the Muslim community. And then the Muslims in the school say, come and do, they do a party for them. And they start getting saved, all these kids. And the kids, the school becomes Christian. <laughs> One domino, we fed 30 people nobody wanted anything to do with, and they were dying. You see, we have to let that transform our thinking because our thinking is, man, where do I get the money from to feed the 30 people? And we are, we are still at that level, guys. And, and I'm going, I'm really like having my head exploded by these sort of things. And, and, and what it's done, you can probably tell what it's done, is it's raised my sights from saying, how do we get a Sunday morning service together to saying, we are going to see this region changed. Because we start knocking over the one domino at a time, and it creates an effect because God is in this. God is in this. Are you with me? So you allow it to change your thinking. This is the last thing, okay? Third principle, so declare it, allow it to change you. Third thing, remember it. <coughs> remember. Remember. Remember Remember what I said about the magazine? Remember. Bill Johnson says this. Whatever fills our hearts and minds ultimately leads us to establish some kind of trust and agreement with what we're filling them with. So what we remember and think about and dwell upon actually allows us to establish agreement with that, that we'll see it. Now, it's really interesting. That word translated remember. We, we lose things, don't we? Remember is re-member. Have you ever thought, like, where does that come from? No, you haven't, because we go, remember, and we don't even think about it. Remember is re-member. Member, and I'm sorry to get like basic, remember comes from a root word for male. And it comes from the root word for male reproduction. Remember. In other words, remembering carries within it the seed to reproduce yeah. what was there. But you got this. 
In remembering, it releases into us and produces faith that reproduces what we remember. It carries the seed of reproduction itself. That's what remember means. There you are. I told you it was deep. Okay. Bill Johnson also said this, and, and this is like, I think he has some absolutely amazing insight into this, and I'm just like starting to get it. But he also said this, when you remember God's supernatural interventions into impossible situations, severed fingers about to be amputated, you carry in it, in your heart, the seed of another miracle. Because you are remembering. You are carrying in your heart the seed to reproduce what you have heard. Now, if you've been around faith life at any length of time, you will know that we have seen that in a particular area. Because in the area of back pain and curved spines and all that, that sort of stuff, we have seen miracle after miracle over the last 10 years in that area. And every time we talk about it, we see another one. So if you've got back pain at the moment, I'm going to pray for you in a couple of minutes. So you just need to get yourself braced. But actually, what you need to start doing now is checking yourself out. Because I've just released the seed of another miracle. If you think about it, I've remembered it. I'm releasing the seed of another. I remember doing this in, our, I think, the first time we did Heart to Heart. That's what Rock Solid used to be called. And we were talking about... The, the biblical I shared a few weeks ago about the girl with the curved spine that I prayed for when I was first baptized in the Spirit. And this guy who was there, a guy called Tom, he said, well, actually, my spine's curved, and I'm in pain, and every time I try to get sleep, it takes me ages. And we prayed for him in our living room, and his spine straightened. So you just start checking yourself out if you've got back pain now. Start having a fidget, having a rummage, you know, bit of a bend, you know. Like if you're asleep, this is your moment to wake up, you know, that sort of thing. But let me, show, let me show you this. Let me show you this in a really simple way because let's go back to how we possess the promised land. Back to Deuteronomy. We're actually going to go back to the other side where they've just crossed over into the promised land. So they're following these instructions. We're going to go to Joshua 6 because what, what they've just done, and I'm finishing with this, is that they have just had, just like the Red Sea party for Moses, they've now repeated the miracle because the Jordan has just parted. They remembered, so it released the seed of another miracle. The same miracle, the Jordan parted. And they before they did that, before they took a step into the Jordan, before the priest took a step into the Jordan, they remembered what God had done at the Red Sea. And this is what it says, that this might be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? So, God, they, they build a pile of stones. Now, that's not a very impressive monument, is it? But it's a pile of stones to help them remember. And basically, the idea is every time somebody walks past this side of stones, they go, Dad, what's the stones for? And we remember and plant the seed of another miracle. What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for you a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Why? So they remember. And we still read that. And, and, and the children of Israel still read that, wherever they are in the world now. They still read it. 
And they still remember that God parted the Red Sea for them. God parted the Jordan. And if he's done it before, he'll do it again because the miracle contains within it the seed to reproduce itself again. And so they remember. Now that word signs, signs are something, it's a reality that points you to a greater reality. And a memorial is a thing that's meant to remind you of other things. So let me just put that for you because we're just about to, to pray and we're just about to minister in a couple of areas. Can I have the, can the music team come up and can Kapampa come up? Because she's going to actually sing some stuff over us that relates to her testimony. And she's going to release some of the things that God has done in her life. So we're actually going to sing No Longer Slaves. No Longer Slaves to Fear. No Longer Slaves to Other People. Okay? Now, so signs are realities that point to greater realities. The sign is the parting of the Jordan. The memorial is the thing that's put there. Why, why is God doing that? Why does he tell us to do that? Because the supernatural intervention of God in our life story are themselves signs that point to who God is. The things that God does in our life point to him. So, let me explain that. The pile of stones, which is the memorial, points to the sign, the parting of the Jordan, the parting of the Red Sea, that God has done. So, Dad, with his little boy or his little daughter, comes up and he says, that's the sign, that's the memorial. Son, that's who your God is, and he still does that. Because he doesn't change. Daughter, that's who your God is. He still does that. He doesn't change. Raise your sight. Look big. Look beyond the horizon. Believe. Because he's done it again. And he did it again. And he's releasing to do it again. Amen? Amen. Amen.